being chased, thrown on the run, and it is caught. Touchdown, Keenan Allen. What a grab. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. That's the warrior spirit right there, boy. Huge sack by Joey Bosa. 90-yard touchdown. 90-yard touchdown. It's going to be picked off at the 8-yard line by Derwin James. Herbert sets his feet, takes a shot downfield, has Knighton. Touchdown, Chargers! That's the greatest throw I've ever seen. What is going on, Chargers fans? Welcome to Fight Night on the Thunderdown Under Chargers Football Podcast. In the black corner, standing at six foot three in his fiance's finest stilettos and weighing in at 300 pounds he's slightly undersized for an offensive lineman but he can bench 350 and deadlift a cool 450 pounds jack reed in the blue corner in the blue corner standing at six foot one and a half and weighing in at 200 pounds himself after a big italian family dinner he's as close to matt hasselbeck as tdu has to offer alistair lloyd fellas i hope the wrists are strapped i hope the wrists are strapped and the wits sharpened. How are we both doing? 48 hours removed from yet another brain-melting charges display. Oh, well. It'll be interesting to see how we go tonight. Listen, I, if people are expecting a big prize fight, it might not happen. But there might be a couple of things that Alistair and I disagree on. But we're on the same page most of the time. Uh, but it should be good fun. I can't wait to get to it. Yeah, speak for yourself. I've been training all week. I'm ready to go, ready to throw some haymakers. Let's go. <laughs> Started in the green room by jabbing at me. Hey, I'm tonight's ref. I have forgotten my black and white striped footlocker shirt, but I might be the JR just sitting there, just calling it as it comes. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's, you know, like if, if we lose again in sour ways, we've got to make the show entertaining. We've got to provide a little bit of uh, enjoyment and, and pizzazz to what could just be a, a pretty sad little breakdown of what, what happened and what didn't happen. Tonight's show, though, look, disappointment outside of one's control can lead to bickering between mates and podcasters. Stick around, <laughs> see how the anti and the pro daily discussions go down. I am, of course, Andy Prophet, your host as always, TDU crew. And like I said, uh, I have forgotten my ref's uniform, but we will enjoy all the discourse tonight nonetheless. Guys, tuning in, thanks heaps for your continued support. The three of us love doing what we do through the hardship and incredulous coaching and play of this team. We love interacting with you all, um, fellow fans, as we ride this seasonal journey together, watching the Chargers do what they do. If you're new, welcome. Uh, don't forget to like the show and subscribe to the channel to stay up to date with our content release. On audio, take a sec if you wouldn't mind to give the show a rating and if you'd be so kind. Lastly, of course, if you're on Twitter or X, give at TDU underscore charges a follow and join the conversation over there too. Al is pumping out TDU film, uh, just trying to find answers. All right, let's get into it. Week seven, charges at Arrowhead against Reed and Mahomes, Los Angeles Chargers, 17, Kansas City Chiefs, 31. Watching what seems like two different organizations take the field either side of halftime is becoming as tedious as listening to us talk about the lack of cohesion and consistency. Mm. This week, no exception to the rule. Offense did its best in the first half to go toe-to-toe with Mahomes and Kelsey, but the difference on defense was just startling. Surrendering over 300 air yards and three touchdowns was a stat line you'd sort of struggle to swallow through four quarters of a game, but that was just the first half. Defense did turn a corner in the second to keep Chiefs to just seven points. 
Uh, but the damage was done. Herbert and the offense run out of tricks. A divisional loss in the books and a record now slumping to two and four. Legitimately, after last week, I sheepishly suggested that's where we were out following the Cowboys' loss. Chiefs seemingly riding away with the division, just a third of the way through this young season, sitting at six and one. Mm. Jack, what what went wrong? Or where did it go wrong? Mm. Or in fact, did it go right at all at GEHA Stadium? <laughs> uh, well, listen, you always say that a, a team is equal to or perhaps greater than a sum of its parts, but unfortunately that is not the Los Angeles Chargers. Yes, the offense played a great first half. Something went, something was set at halftime. They came out late an egg or the adjustments weren't made. The defense played poorly. I, I believe played poorly in the first half. They made some adjustments and actually played relatively well in, this, in, in the second half, I thought. So for those people who think that the defense didn't adjust, it clearly did. Um, they played far better. It's just it wasn't complimentary football. I don't know what else really went right because everywhere I look, there's some. It's it's negative uh, because the the positivity that I get from watching the offense or the defense is completely then or is ruined completely when I watch the I guess the other side of the ball. So um, I, I guess what it comes down to is that the Chiefs, the yardstick of the the NFL, they're the yardstick of the division. Um, what are we doing if we're not competing with them? This was the first time that we lost by two scores in Herbert's tenure, also in Staley's tenure. That's a sign of regression. You saw the Chiefs make mistakes and they make mistakes and it's the teams that beat the Chiefs or push the Chiefs further than we did. They capitalize on those mistakes. And it seems to me that when the Chiefs make a mistake, they recover uh, the way that they play. They have the confidence to, um, to, to overcome those. When the Chargers start making mistakes, all of a sudden there's this hoodoo that happens, you know, 27 points up comes to mind all the other things that happen in the Chargers organization that all of our fans 50 plus years supporting or like us, you know, relatively new in their, in their last decade um, podcasting and supporting closely. Let's say that. Um, yeah. It just played out like a normal Chargers game and uh, really disappointing. Well said, Jack. It, it's a tough pill to swallow to sit two and four with all the hopes and aspirations that fans and players alike had for this season. And we appreciate you for listening. I know it's not easy to consume yeah. Chargers content when your team is losing frequently and in, in really shitty ways It's the only way you can put it. It feels bad when you come out and see the type of hapless defensive performance that we did in the first half, which was reminiscent of week one against Miami. And you figure if your job as a DC and a defensive head coach is to stop opposing offenses and their best weapons – is it simply the case that Brandon Staley is a bad DC? And I think it's got to be pretty close to yes. Because mm. if you look at week one, I mean, what's your job? What would Belichick do? He'd, he'd make make your opponent play with their left hand, right? Son Tzu or whoever he likes to quote. So what, what's our task been each week? In week one, Tua had 466 yards and three touchdowns and Tyreek Hill had 215 yards and two touchdowns. <laughs> Fail. Week two, okay, not bad. Derek Henry kept him to 25 carries and 80 yards. Week three, Cousins and Justin Jefferson both got off the leash. Week four, okay, tick, Jacobs. We kept him quiet. Devontae didn't kill us. Week five, CD Lamb had over 100. And then this week, what happens? Mahomes, 424 yards, four <laughs> touchdowns. Travis Kelsey, 12 catches, 179 yards. It is a fucking joke. <laughs> so so I don't think we're going to be doing too much fighting. I'm a pacifist anyway. So for Brandon Staley to justify so, his job at this point, 
he needs to show himself to be so special as a leader or a head coach that he falls into the John Harbour mold who, who can rally men and bring them together and find ways to win and galvanize while he works on the defensive stuff. But unfortunately, in Jack's head shake gives it away. We're not seeing that either because quite you're, the you're, you're quite the opposite. Your, your character and your leadership skills are tested when you're under pressure. It's all easy when your team's winning. And what we've seen is a slow unraveling all season from his physical appearance to the way he's handling himself in press conferences. It's every week at this point, he gets defensive. Um, he says things that are a bit stupid, sometimes borderline ridiculous. This week, the annoying one was, you know, Popper said to him, hey, look, why did you change up? Why are you playing so much soft zones in the first half? And he said, oh, we played plenty of man in the first half. And then I don't know if you saw this, but Popper went around to the locker room and he wrote an article with Ooh, quotes from the players. Yeah. Michael, Michael Davis, we played zone. Kelsey just goes to the spot and turns around. It's got nothing to do with Travis. It's us. We got to get on their ass. When you come down and you play the Chiefs, you got to come out and play man and get on their ass. Yep. That's Michael Davis. Derwin, we played a little bit too much zone in the first half. And then Marlowe. We ran a little bit more zone in the first half and Kelly was at, Kelsey was able to just find some small pockets to extend plays, feel the zone out. He's probably one of the best tight ends at doing that. So this is a clear warning sign of you're about to lose the locker room. Yeah. If the coach is saying one thing and the players are saying the other and the team is two and four, we are at the turning point of the Brandon's Daily tenure right now. And I know I've been talking for a while, so Andy, I'm going to give you a chance to respond to this. Do you think the second half defensive game plan can set a blueprint for the rest of the year? Because quite amazingly, we saw maybe the worst defensive performance in a half under Brandon Staley in the first half. And then in the second half, the team was one different camera angle away on the Kendricks fumble to arguably keeping the Chiefs scoreless in a mm. half of football. So do you think that could be the, the, the way forward? Do you think Staley will listen? Will he change? Uh, I was almost dreading this kind of thought process and questioning. Do I think that it's enough to to blueprint that? Because it is. It, it it's it's a effective, if not. <clears throat> no, I'm not going to say that. I'm not. I, I say it's a, it's an effective way of stifling uh, a high powered offense. You know, we kept Mahomes to 120 yards in the second half and the one touchdown, and a lot of their prowess was aided by that 50-yard Mikol Hardman punt return, putting them in good field position. But we generated enough stops, forcing punts. Um, it's it's a really hard one to answer because it's not going to work every week running that same ideal. And a lot of, you know, what Staley said in his press conference is that it, it's on him because he failed to plan for this. Now, if you go back to our show last week when we talk about keys to victory and things you have to do is recognizing that Travis Kelsey is fucking dangerous and doing something about it. We're three guys 1,600 miles, 16,000 miles away who have been involved in this sport for at least two decades less than Brandon Staley, you'd say, and he does nothing, does nothing about it. So... Whilst the adjustments made were beneficial, it is possible that that is a, a starting point to be able to be effective and to be better than the fucking shittest coverage unit in the league. But I just, I don't think he'll listen, to be honest. That's where I said, I don't think he will. 
I think he will where, continue to do his thing and go. Okay. I was going to say where I think his frustration would come from is when a reporter like Popper says something like, well, you played zone in the first half and man in the second. Someone who's deeply into the game plan would say, what are you talking about? On each play, sometimes you'll have you'll have zone on one side of the play yeah. and man on the other. Pat you'll have match. pat match. You, and... And it's not like every call in the first half was zone. Like the big 50-yard completion, Asante was in man coverage. So I think Staley's focus was more on the execution didn't work because we had a game plan to play a bit more zone thinking. And the Chiefs' EPA per play this year has been less against zone than man. So heading into the game, they might have thought, this is the recipe. We've been rushing the passer well. If our pass rush gets home, soft zones on the back end will work. But when it wasn't working, because we weren't getting a lot of pressure, the, the adjustments just didn't occur quickly enough. I've just got through doing TDU film and posting some stuff on the Twitter handle. You listeners can take a look. But there are at least three plays in the second quarter where Kelsey, he's coming off the line of scrimmage just completely unchecked. Derwin's not on him. And you've seen enough there through the first quarter whereas where I would have thought – the adjustment needs to be quicker. I know they adjust each drive, but it didn't look good. Um, Jack, you haven't spoken for a while. Is anything we've said kind of resonating with you? Do you have any faith that they can tr transform things or is he too stuck in his ways? Oh, I have no forgiveness for not preparing for a division rival. You know them well. You should know them better than any other, other than the Raiders and the Broncos. You know that for one, Taylor Swift is there, which means Kelsey's going to have a big game because, you know, he plays better when Taylor Swift is there. Come on, Brandon, get on the social media God damn train. it, man. I was hoping we could get through, like, the preview and the recap of not fucking talking about Taylor goddamn Swift. Go um, on. Jesus. Anyway, I, I just... I was winning the fight. <laughs> the, the same thing week in, week out. There's this gap behind the linebackers that you could drive a freight train through and it's just not changing. And I go, all right, well, maybe this is the way. You're just going to contain, contain. But when you've got two safeties and Derwin James, you could argue is having the worst season of his career as well. And you've got uh, Dean Marlowe in there who, you know, is essentially a ring in. The soft coverage, Michael Davis is far, he's a bigger cornerback. I prefer him at the line of scrimmage. He's a dog. Yes, he gives away some penalties, but he's mm. giving up 10 yards, man. He's giving yeah. up 10 yards. And you know that Kelsey does his work. He doesn't run routes. Romo was like, this isn't even a route, Jim. This is, look, look at him here. They're just playing, they're just playing a backyard ball. That's what they do. Backyard ball, 100%. And when they do that, they're so effective against a zone because Kelsey goes, oh, Actually, I'm completely uncovered. And Mahomes has to go, yeah, I have to do a little bit of work with my legs, but I'll find the gap and I'll just... And the passes to Kelsey were just like, were just like lobs. They weren't challenging, most of them. They were just, oh, he's open, bang. Whereas I think if you start to body Kelsey at the line and start to take yeah. away the timing of some of those routes, then Mahomes gets a little bit, has, is that half second more? And let's be honest, Mahomes had over three seconds to throw the ball. So that's one of the, the longest he's had all year. Um, let, we'll talk about the pass rush in a second, but mm. okay, awesome, great. He made the changes at halftime, sounded better, but uh, the game's gone, buddy. It's gone. Yeah. And as a head coach, mm. that is unforgivable. I, I'm sorry. You've got to make those adjustments, as you said, Alistair, as you're going. Now, if the team can't do that and the players can't do that, then I don't think it's a shortcoming of them. I think it's a shortcoming of how the communication is done on the sideline and what those messages are.
should they have hired an experienced DC? So Staley's not trying to do head coaching stuff and, and changing the defense and coaching up the defense at the same time. Well, you said it, Alistair. You said that um, uh, a, pla- a guy who's standing in the press conference will go, of course we didn't play zone because he's so involved in that um, in that game plan. Now, a head coach takes that step back who doesn't call the defensive offensive plays and can kind of perhaps see where that perception comes from. Absolutely. But when you're, tr- but when you're trying, you're, you're so like defensive over what you're doing, It's you're, you're so stuck in it that you can't see the forest through the trees. And I think that's where we're getting to is that – and defense – by and large of itself, we've talked about it on this podcast before, is a reactive game plan, is a reactive. On offense, you're a juggernaut, you just go. And you go, you know what, you've got, you've also got a signal caller and a quarterback to make adjustments at the line. You've got another coach on the field. The green dot, not so much. You're relying on making those adjustments when you go a three and out or there's a touchdown, you go, this is what we need to do. And I think in that reactive sense, a head coach who's calling defensive plays is spending far too much cognitive energy trying to fix it when they really should be looking at the overall game plan. Yeah, he's going play by play and a a plan to just sort of go, okay, now this is, you know, this is what we're going to call. And let's let's get serious. Kenny Murray is not the kind of operator, with all due respect, because his player has improved. He's not the kind of operator to get that call into his headset and do anything other than reproduce and reiterate what has just been said to him. And it's not a, hey, guys, I'm hearing this, but this isn't working. Let's try and fix this. We don't have a general on the field that is able to go, why do we keep running zone? Or why can't we just throw Derwin James onto travel Travis Kelsey, maintain the, the zone principles of allowing over-the-top support, which is what they, they did for the most part in the second half. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it kept Kelsey to however many, like 20-odd yards in the – well, 30 yards in the um, – 36 yards in the second half. Uh, it, it was an improvement, but on the whole, it, like when too you little, look past – Exactly. It's – yeah, I was really blown. Usually, we talk about the press conferences when we move into the the, the game to come recap, but it was so startling. Um, he was Staley was just getting hounded, and listening to him breathe into the microphone was almost the most startling point of that um, that press conference. Like just growling, almost wait, anticipating these questions of essentially his philosophy and his skill set being tested and he didn't want a bar of it. He did take full responsibility, but he did like, is oh, that well, enough? Cause he's going to stand worked? there and go, no, it's the player's fault. Come on. Fuck. Like what yeah. else can he say? Like, well, it's well the, this was right. a little more in this. He was a little more forthcoming in that respect. than I think he's been recently. He, he made okay. a point of saying it four times, three or four times. Like this was my fault. I, um, you know, we didn't, the, the usual platitudes, but it seemed legitimate. He wanted to accept that this loss was not okay. It's on me. I need to do better. His job is hanging by a thread. At this point of the season, they are 31st in EPA per play, which to me is just about the most important metric you can judge a defense by. They're 25th in points allowed. They're 26th for overall PFF grade defense. So they're your three key metrics, and you are a bottom eight unit in all of them. And as you said at the start, Jack, there's plenty of individually talented players. I think this is why this defensive scheme is starting to die in the NFL. Defenders don't like to play zone. They don't like, why would you? Why would you want to sit back 10 yards off the line, giving this outrageous cushion and try to do tricky stuff? Yes. Okay. Maybe you'll get an interception unless you've got a totally dominant defensive front. 
which we don't. Guys just want to get up and play man coverage, a bit of backyard ball like the Chiefs do. Yeah, uh, excluding the awesome read by Asante Samuel and great work to get his body into position to make that interception. We're just not making plays as defenders on the ball. Like we're not hitting guys as they're catching. We are that far off. We're that soft. And the recognition isn't there. Jack, you mentioned that Marlowe's kind of a, a ring-in guy. I thought his performance was actually essential to us not conceding 50 points because he was laying the stick. Oh, yeah. He was hitting guys. He was tackling. And it was like, sure, a couple of times he's five yards off the guy receive, like catching the ball. Um, yeah. And I don't have I don't have those the stats in front of me, but the yards after catch, for the most part, a lot of the sort of it was kind of low because the guys are just getting a completely uncontested catch, and then turning into three guys going, "Oh, stop that guy! Hit him!" You know, it's just like a I don't want him. You take it. Yeah, but, but how how hard okay. is it? How how hard is it? Is that you go? Okay, you know what, Kelsey to Mahomes, we're going to take that away from you because. For the last five times, well, he's putting up pro ball. Well, he's putting up all pro numbers because if he if he plays a full season playing the Chargers, I think I had it, I extrapolated out to seventeen hundred yards, sixteen touchdowns, and one hundred and twenty catches. Something ridiculous if he played eighteen or seventeen games. So, all right, beat us otherwise. And you know what? In the in the Chiefs of old, you had Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Who who do you stop? Like, all right, we'll we'll take Travis Kelsey away. Tyreek Hill will get you. Vice versa. In this sense. Make Rasheed Rice or whatever his name is beat you. Make make um, Valdez. Oh, Valdez Scantley's not playing there anymore. Who's the guy no, that's no, Michael yeah, Hart? No, no. He oh, is. Mate. Yeah, v, he is playing. Yeah, he did make, beat make, us. He yeah. fucking did. So did Rasheed Rice. Ass. They fucking beat us. All of and them did. Sky and, Moore. And, that's, and I'd rather that. I'd go go nuts. But Kelsey can't be having 180 yards. I'm just, that is that to me is the that that's when I go. I don't know if Brandon Staley knows what's, what he's doing. Staley was like the dad at a theme park who's handing out $100 bills to each of his kids, but it's the chief receivers. It's here's 100 for you, here's 100 for you, and here's 100 for you. Oh, uh, yeah, like, gosh. you know, so much has been criticised of this Chiefs, Chiefs offence is not having, you know, now that uh, Justin Watson's out, he was their sort of off the top, uh, over-the-top guy, take the top off the defence. Once he was out, we're thinking, great, we're not going to get gashed. And then Valdez Scantling has 84 yards and uh, Rasheed Rice manages. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't generating too much. Um, exciting start to his career, but man, he played above a fourth round pick uh, this, this weekend gone. Um, Sky Moore was making plays. All the guys that have had a sort of stuttering start to their season. It's like we say this every week. It's like if someone's having a, a if, if an opposition player is in a rut and they're coming up against the Chargers, you can guarantee they're going to ball. They're like, we just sort of let that, that happen. And it's, I don't know. There's like, when you, you look into this game, it's, I've got it so heavily underlined in my notes that we were just so out coached and out planned by Andy Reid and Dave Spagnolo, guys who, as Steve. as it seemed, Steve Spagnuolo. Sorry, Dave Dave Tube. I'm thinking of, um, who also also had a killed us. You too. know, yeah, exactly. It always does. We're uh, the Make a Wish Foundation, man. We're handing out. We're giving dying players renewed life every single week. Yeah, they. See, like, I, 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 I don't reckon. I don't reckon they got out coached. I reckon that was just. It was them. Oh. Staley's out out coaching himself. I, I don't think the Chiefs did anything different. They just went. Oh, well, this is what we're doing. Mahomes didn't do like. You know, he had four hundred yards, but I mean, he's just he's playing what the hand that he's been dealt. I didn't think he was 
uber special. Some of those throws are not, yeah, okay, we, we take that for granted. But there mm. was no, there were none of that things where I go, oh my God, we got beaten pretty well there by just an insane performance. Um, and maybe we just get so used to Mahomes doing those things that, you know, um, that is just the standard that we expect. But um, oh, it, man. Uh, I, 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 sorry, sorry to interrupt. I just feel like Andy Reid looked at this game and was just licking his chops and he just said, give me them nuggies. And he goes, I'm going to take them nuggies. And he did. And then in the second half, Spagnolo goes, all right, they've scored a few points and uh, I'm going to make my adjustments as I always do. And now you score fucking none for the second time in six games. You're scoring zero points in the second half. Mm. Um, and we're just out adjusted. Sure. You know, as we've said, Staley made his adjustments and um, the defense improved. But when the opposition coaches are just light years ahead of you, uh, and actually prepare and plan, and they go, "Hey, we're going to keep Keenan Allen quiet. Go make Josh Palmer have a day." And look, he did. And he did. And he did. And he that's well. that's good. But um, they knew he knew when to blitz. He knew what Justin Herbert was going to do. Um, he goes, "You know, we're going to. He's going to drop and boot right, and that's when we're going to hit him. Doesn't have to be on third down. It'll be on second down, and we'll turn a second and eight into a second and twenty-four or something egregious like that." and then absolutely kill that drive. It's the way that they executed, I think, that we were – we just basically didn't have a coach. We had the guy that cut the oranges for halftime show up with a headset on, and we had two esteemed um, – an offensive and a defensive mastermind who took the absolute piss out of, uh, well, out of our team. For my now, own. look, Staley outcoached that mastermind the entire second half. So you can look at it both ways. Kellen Moore embarrassed Spagnolo in the first half. They're on their way to a 35 points. And then in the second, well, they scored. They scored. Okay, maybe embarrassed is strong. The offense was highly productive in the first half. Yeah. And the Chiefs' offense in the second half, they had fumble, punt, 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 and then touchdown at the end. Unfortunately, while that occurred, our offense hit the road, as we've discussed all year, Jack, whether it's incoherence or lack of complimentary ball. I think if you're a coach of this team, and unfortunately Staley hasn't followed this mantra as much recently, but if you're a winner, you should be acting like a winner or with confidence in your processes, even when the result doesn't go your way. That's why it's been disappointing to see Staley losing control of press conferences because that's made me lose some faith in his abilities as a leader. I'd feel much better if he just looked down the barrel and said, first half game plan was shocking. I've learned a lot from how the second half worked. We need to fix our offense. What went wrong, wrong in the second half? The fact of the matter is the Chiefs are the bell of the ball. They're the Super Bowl winners from last year. And this was one score game halfway through the final quarter. And last week, we had opportunities to win against Dallas. We need to correct ourselves, but I'm not giving up on this season because we've still got a good football team and we're going to change this, that, and the other thing. He isn't really giving off those vibes, but that should be the message to the team. It's If we can change change what we do a little bit schematically on defense, we've still got a team that can win a bunch of games. I, I worry, though, because where does Kellen Moore turn when things are going poorly? So we're on the sideline, and, and it doesn't matter how experienced or inexperienced you are, Those the, the, the hierarchy is there for a reason, is that that head coach should oversee, have the macro level. Yes, you know we know that there are some head coaches that are offensive and they call that, 
But where is I wonder where Kellen Moore's turning when I go, mate, I've just gone punt, punt. I don't know. What what should we be doing here? How can I – what's the chat? Or is Staley then well, so it's locked on the Doug defense? It's Nussmeyer, the quarterback coach, I guess, who's 50 and he's played in the NFL. I guess that would but, be the closest he has. But is it? But is that part of the? Is that part of the overall messaging? So in the who does Staley give the defense a talk, and then he goes to give the whole, um, the whole the whole team a talk? I, I I don't know what's going on, but the performances and the locker room, Andy, you said it. It just is starting to feel like it's just fractured, not only on the field but also just going behind the scenes. And do do we do we talk about if do we talk do we do we talk about Staley being fired? Can can we talk about that, or is that are we just, are we still in the game? What let's get there. Let's let's talk a bit of offense because we haven't really okay. talked about the offense at all. And there are a couple of things I think we, uh, or I'd like us to explore at least. The obvious one is Quentin Johnston and Darius Davis and how they are or aren't being worked in to this offense. Jack Eric from Bolts from the Blue, who's a who's a great poster over there. He he said, look, is Quentin Johnston not a fit for Callum Moore's offense? So in this game, he's had one catch from the two targets, a 20-yard completion. What are you thinking about him? Oh, no, this is becoming a weekly thing. But what do you think? <laughs> well, I can tell you that um, Zay Flowers is looking all right now. And I can also tell you that Jordan Addison is probably looking all right now. Um, dare I say Deontay Banks, given what happened to JC Jackson, is looking all right. Dalton Kincaid is actually looking okay. Um, I'm even thinking that maybe even Joey Porter Jr., who's having a pretty good year at, at quarterback for uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then you get into Sam Laporta, who looks like a future All-Pro, and even Michael Mayer. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't get the... I don't get the philosophy because you draft QJ. All right, yeah, he looks. He the measurables look almost like CD Lamb. CD Lamb was very, very effective in Moore's scheme in Dallas. All right, in what he's not position, been Jack? I reckon you've just nailed it from the well, slot. Well, so from the slot. So, but QJ is obviously playing on the outside, running um, end arounds and clear routes. But then all of a sudden, you look at Joshua Palmer's ability when Mike Williams goes out, and you go, well, what? Why did we need to spend another first round when we've got Josh Palmer, who's clearly a very capable, and then Jalen Guyton coming back? So it, this doesn't make sense to me. It, the way that Quinton Johnson is being used, even with the Mike Williams, is just not making sense. And I don't know what the reason is because Keenan Allen gets open, Josh Palmer gets open. Clearly, Quinton Johnson got – I mean, he made a decent catch, but does Herbert just not look to him? And and I said it last week is the blame just on Herbert's on Herbert. So organizationally, it just does not make sense because now would be the time when you go, Mike Williams is not there. Oh, big injury, Mike Williams. Oh, look at how deep our wide receivers are. But it's still Keenan Allen and Josh Palmer doing the work. So yeah, I think it's a combination of Kellen Moore trying to stick a square peg in the round hole with his usage of QJ and. Probably for me, like 70% of it comes down to Justin Herbert. And I think that's a, a whole other um, can of worms to open with what's going on with that guy at the moment. Um, but it doesn't ever really look like he is even checking for him. Um, it was a nice route. He's getting separation on his runs uh, and he, he he's running some good routes. It was a good catch. It was a good turn and catch at the, at the point there for QJ. Yep. But... There's just there's a lot going on with Justin Herbert. It's now he's you know what third coordinator. Um, he's got the mm. the hand on his off his you know his left hand injury. 
And I heard on another show, um, friends of ours, uh, the lightning round, um, talking about a really small thing that it had not occurred to me until I thought about this. Herbert's one of those guys that when he takes the snap, it, it's one of his like ticks and mannerisms to spin the ball in his hand. I think it was Craig on the show who, who mentioned this. Can't, can't, just can't do that with a glove and a splint on his finger. That sort of stuff plays into it, how he, you know, takes the ball under centre, how he was handing the ball off on um, running plays. They're all just little things that build into just a a lack of sort of mental security. He obviously doesn't have Corey Lindsley, so he's Ooh, now concerned that his pass protection is, and rightfully so, is with Will Clapp at a far lower standard. He's concerned that he's going to be taking these hits. He's putting the pressure on himself to make these plays work. So he's now copying, he's taking way more sacks and dumb, dumb sacks than he should be taking. Um, he's, as a pressure mechanism, he's starting to eye his receivers, making it easier for opposing cornerbacks to sort of come in and make plays on the ball because they're going, you're either going to Keenan Allen or you're going to Eckler in the flat or you're going to Josh Palmer. And we're going to be able to come up and make those plays because you're looking at the guy that you're throwing it to. Those thing, these things that he succeeded in early, the, like his mental strengths when playing the position, are starting to regress, and it's causing him now to overthrow balls. He missed Keenan in the end zone on a play that he would have made twelve times out of ten um, in in seasons past. And for a young quarterback, that's you know that's saying something. He's favoring these guys because he just wants to execute. Uh, and he speaks about that so highly in his press conferences that he's just looking for guys that he knows are safe options and it's almost forcing it. So I think that there's a little bit of Herbert's awareness of um, having QJ there and having like an untrusted relationship there. He's He's got to be responsible for, you know, Getting, getting the ball out, not just starting the game, you know, two passes to Keenan, couple to Gerald Everett and, you know, making those small, like, and therein lies a little bit of responsibility on Kellen Moore to get the guy some touches early and get him, his QJ, I mean, his confidence up uh, at the start of the game. So it's not just so like, we'll throw it to him when we have to. And if it doesn't work, then everyone goes, what a bust of a pick. And fans are going, why did we take this guy? Still think he's going to be a good receiver. I just don't think he's being used right or looked at properly. That's there's my take. Plenty, there's plenty, I, yeah. plenty of blame to go around. If you just, if you, again, forty-one point seven percent was the pressure rate of Herbert this week. You can't, you can't exist in that sort of domain. Quinton sure. Johnston. If you isolate all his routes, he won a bunch this week. He lost a bunch. If you play press against him, particularly when he tries outside release, he does struggle from time to time. Kellen Moore's not helping him because if you gave him more snaps in the slot, he'll have more two-way goes. We're really using him as a big-time X receiver on the outside, whereas the plan this year was to make Mike Williams do a bit more slot stuff. Let Quentin Johnston do that and try to get him in from the slot. And then to your point, Andy, I think Herbert does go through progressions awfully quickly. Now, I know some of these plays aren't even designed to get to the backside read. So you can't expect him to see QJ when the play is no. designed to look right to left and yep. Keenan's open. But I still think there's something to be said for Herbert does go through progressions very quickly. And that's been commented on a number of times over the years. Sometimes if the play develops a little longer, something will pop open in that window down the field. But 
the pass protection is probably in his head. Geez, Jack, we've said it time and time again, Corey Lindsley, how important is this guy to the team? I uh, Every week you look at it and you just go, how could you be so remiss from a team building point of view to not understand how important Corey Lindsley is to not only Herbert, but to the offensive line as well. The whole, the, I mean, Popper wrote a great article and he actually rightly pointed out, even though, and we talked about it on the show, even though PFF said Lindsley had a poor grade against Minnesota, they blitzed him at a record high rate and Herbert played like an absolute jet. And we're going, wow, this it doesn't, who cares? He's got little time to throw, but he's making things work. We'll clap. My, I mean, listen, poor guy, huge shoes to fill, but how can you not see Lindsley's on the wrong side of 30? He does have a bit of a checkered injury past. Um, you can never predict a, a heart condition, clearly, but you had to do something better than Will Clapp, I think. Um, and you can really see that Herbert plays scared. When I'm not bashing Herbert, I think that Herbert's just in a bit of a dip like he was last year with his ribs. He'll come out of it. I still think he's an incredible player, but there is blame to go around. And, you know, it's not just because you criticize someone and and, and not, not everyone's um, untouchable. Just because you criticize someone doesn't mean you automatically hate them when you want to get rid of them. There's a lot of charges Twitter at the moment that, or X or whatever you call it to say that, well, you, if you're being really negative, then you don't deserve to be a fan. No, you can be angry and frustrated, but still love the team. And I think that's where we come from. Um, so yeah, I think Herbert's to blame. He'll be fine. Lindsley's a huge loss. I'd there's the argument that Pipkins might be playing hurt. He's playing poorly. Kick Solier out there. Bring in McFadden. Do some stuff. I don't know. Then you've got some really young players there. But clearly the offensive line, which we thought was going to be a strength of this team, um, is not at the moment. I think for me it really highlights the importance on Justin Herbert to play well when every decent offensive stat that we're doing well at, so, you know, points per game and um, just – Everything positive about the offense relies on Justin Herbert and his output. And when you when he doesn't have a good game, as he hasn't yep. in the last two weeks, the team looks like shit. Not sustainable. And it's it's really not. And um, and when you've got the most the highest paid defense in the le- in the league as well, and two you know thirty million dollar uh, uh, pass rushes. Um, it makes it bloody hard to have a, an equal kind of spread of strength across the whole squad. Um, so I don't know. It's it's really difficult. But um, should we talk positives? Are there are there, are there positives oh, to take out of it? I think we've covered the only ones. I feel like continuing on the negative track. Actually, I've, I'm I'm going now. There was <laughs> some that, real before you go. Before you go, Alistair, yeah. I still think Khalil Mack deserves some credit. The guy mm. is getting hurries five, and people will say the pass rush was shit. But let's just because uh, we start talking about trade Bosa, trade just get. I've got some thoughts on that later. But I just want to say Mack had another. I thought quite a good game. The guy just out is, plays really well, Alistair. Sorry, agree. I want to pick up on some small things, the little things, because I think the little things matter. And part of the reason why I, I won't use, I won't say fell in love, but part of part of the reason why I really was buoyed by Staley early days was the freshness of the embr- willingness to embrace analytics and seemingly make the right game management decision 75% of the time at least. 
I think there are a few things in this game that bothered me. One, when you go into the game as an underdog against KC, I thought we would go for it on fourth and manageable a little more. We punted on fourth and five at the 49 with two minutes 56 left in the second quarter. At the time, the score was 17-17. Fourth and five, we punted and they scored a touchdown on the ensuing drive. So ended up going in at halftime 24-17. And on that same final drive, Andy, I called it to you. We didn't, we failed to use a timeout on defense when they, Mahomes does a great big completion. Okay, they've got first and 10 at our 11-yard line. There's still a minute 29 on the clock and we've got three timeouts. We let them run the clock all the way down. That's where you've got to go. We actually want to preserve time to get the ball back again. Yeah. And the last thing I'll add, I thought it was pretty obvious that Austin Eckler rolled his ankle and Josh Kelly was running really well. And yeah. it's a fine line between trusting your superstar and going with the hot hand. But in that second half, I would have liked to see Kelly get more carries because he was playing on fire. Yeah. Feel for the yeah. game. We've talked about Ke- it. Where's the feel? Kelly's Kelly's one of my few positives. Uh, he, I thought he ran really well and with purpose. He gave uh, the pop that we needed with that 49-yard touchdown run. Um Stepped up in pass blocking as well, although limited. Um, and exactly, I couldn't agree with you more. To see us come out in the at first, was it the first drive of the second half and Eckler's running on first and 10? And you're just like, it's just a lack of sort of awareness, of coaching awareness, trying to just force, you know, oh, on paper, this is how it is, rather than getting a feel for actually what's happening in the moment. It seems very kind of rigid for trying to put paper onto that a 50-yard touchdown, man? Give him the fucking ball. Absolutely. It's not that hard. (laughs) And your your other running back is literally limping on the sideline. He's rolled his ankle again. And he's he's probably thinking, he's probably thinking, fuck this, man. (laughs) I'm hurt. And I am just going to get smashed more and more. And this team ain't going to pay me. Fuck this. Why? Why bother? That's probably fair enough as well. Uh, Jack, did you want to touch anything further on the pass rushing before we move along? Uh, no, I mean, Tooley didn't have a, I mean, statistically PFF didn't have a, a great one. Um, but again, you know, it seems to be the the defensive line. Yeah, the pass rush wasn't amazing and her, um, Mahomes had a long time to throw. And again, we let him leak out, which I said, you can't let Mahomes leak out. You've got to keep pocket discipline when you're rushing, but... Um, generally speaking, I think that's one of the better. I think it's one of the better performing groups of the year. So, I mean, Austin Johnson, I don't think is he just doesn't seem to be a nick from his injury. And Sebastian mm. Joseph Day had a had a had a more down game. Um, but yeah, the the pass rush is something that I watch every week, and I've been enjoying it. So yeah, linebackers. Kendrick's had a great game. And Kenneth Murray put great. in another good performance as well. So to you know, they're doing the best that they can do. I think, given the circumstance. How much did it fucking suck seeing Drew Tranquil sack Herbert? God damn, man. Poetic justice. Poetic justice. Yep. We needed to speak about that. That That's just like, oh, yep, cool. Just get a borderline junk time sack. Yep. Good on you. He would have loved it too. Tranquil would have loved it. He would have loved it. Absolutely. Fair play to him as well. Shit. Yeah, it's, it's funny. It's another one of those games where I don't think we gave up that much on the ground, but. Teams don't have to run the ball when you look at Jack, you made a great point earlier about contain and it's something we did not do with Mahomes. You have to recognize that you've got to rush with a little bit of anticipation that he might move out of the pocket and he might try and escape that, that rush and the pressure. 
and it was just like full bore ahead when we had sort of rushing six and you know the the defense are wandering in a like the defensive backs are wandering in a paddock and Mahomes is going, oh, fuck yeah, third and 15, I'll rush for 23 yards. And no one is within cooey of making a stop near the line to gain. Like, it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's really hard to sit and watch that. Uh, like, I can't do any better, but, like, I also don't get paid millions of dollars to, like, perform um, as a coach or a player. So, like, it's, it's bloody hard stuff. All right, we're Out- feeling pretty bad. And this is, I think this is a, a perfect segue because we've got the trade deadline coming up in a week and decisions need to be made. Kyle and I had a ludicrous back and forth on Twitter. You might not have seen it, but we, we almost came to fisticuffs. Kyle, Kyle basically thinks fire Staley immediately. It didn't work. You've got to fire him now. And then by the end of this year, the Chargers need to clear $30 million of cap space by the start of the new league year in March. So that means that the trade deadline, Kyle's opinion is forget trying to bring people in thinking you can win a Super Bowl. This team's fucked. We should be sellers. We need to clear $30 million, fire Staley immediately and trade a couple of guys out because if we miss the trade deadline, we can no longer trade them. We just simply cut them to clear space at the end of the year. I'll open up the floor. Do you think, is it time to give up on this season or do you owe it to Staley in an all-in year to give him the whole year to prove his worth? Jack? Well, <laughs> I have an opinion that might not be, that, that might not be popular and I'm happy to, to live and be criticised for it. What is popular I don't, with this team at the moment? Like, yeah, <laughs> well, I, I, mean, I don't see, I don't see the point in doing a fire sale, nor do I see the point in firing Staley uh, professionally in my own life, I've just seen what happens to an organization when the leader gets ejected in the middle of, uh, in, in the middle of, I guess, work and the, in the middle of a season, let's call it. And it creates nothing but, um, disharmony. You've got, then it becomes fractured. Um, players start to really dislike the organization, I think. Um, and this is in an NFL context before there's already some, you know, Staley will have his favourites and there'll be players that don't like Staley. That then causes friction. I don't know what head coach you get because I don't think Kellen Moore's got the personality to bind the team together. I don't think anyone on this coaching staff has the ability to step in and go, right, get behind me. Um, and you, I, no, I, I still don't think he's – but I don't know, unless Harbour is there yeah, waiting, unless you know that you've got someone that can come in and really make a stamp – I. I just don't think it's a good idea. And listen, the Spanoses would be doing something completely out of character to do so. In terms of a fire sale, teams will know you're desperate and you will get literally cents to the dollar when you're trading players. Agreed. Um, Agreed. And, and maybe that's what Bose is worth. Maybe that's what uh, Mike Williams is worth. Maybe that's what some of these players are worth. But um, not only does that, all of a sudden you lose all your leaders, you lose all your experience and you've got a whole organization that is worried, what, I'm, what am I going to do next year? Even though I'm contracted, but where am I going to be? Um, and then that cooks you for not only the rest of this year, you still got a chance to do something this year. Again, not un- unpopular. You do this now, you pull the pin. You're not really looking at another run until 2025. So it's about 18 months away. Um, and if you're willing and able to do that, fine. Uh, but I just don't think that there's so many issues that will come because Staley's been so 
picky with the players that he's got in to support his scheme. I just think the players are going, well, I'm, I'm, I don't want to play for Harbour. Oh, well, done. I'll play at this contract and go somewhere else. It can't be Harbour. So, Harbour's coaching at the minute. That would be next year. Yeah. But it'll be well, whatever. And now, his, and now he, he and Michigan are tainted with cheating and stealing plays and doing something yeah. weird. Um, it's... It's uh, it's interesting because six of one, half a dozen of the other with what you say, Jack, because I agree with you. Do you think that the position that the team's in with um, Herbert now exiting his rookie contract where we've clearly as an organisation wasted those cheap years of him and overpaid other players, uh, oh, sorry, paid a lot of marquee players at a high premium, um, we're now starting to see that whatever it is going on is not working, be it the coach, be it, you know, players underperforming injuries, etc. All the shit that happens to every team every year. Um, do you think that there's benefit in bringing in a new coach earlier to get a running start into next year and trying not to make the transition worse? Let me just have to kill him more, right? That's the only time you do that. It's where you go, okay, let's back in Kellen Moore. We've got a guy. We've got a guy in house. I tend to agree with Jack, and I don't think that yet Kellen Moore has the like. Start with scoring one point and a half. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Kindly. (laughs) What about the flip side, Andy? Would you would you bring someone in before the deadline? So we'll know the result of the Bears game before the deadline. The team will have forty eight hours after that. So let's be favourable and assume it's three and four rather than two and five. Mm-hmm. Last year, the Bengals and 49ers came back from four and four to make their respective championship games. Not saying the Chargers have that in them, but I mean, would you try and do something? Because the team could do with a player or would you just say, nope, this is it. This is the team you've got. Well, I think you've got to look real low level stuff and something that I have been championing for as long as I've done this, this show, uh, and I'm talking about my guy versus the guy I cannot understand how he has a job with the team. My guy being Xander Horvath is still, you know, available to be elevated into the practice from the practice squad. Uh, and Trey McKitty, just get the fuck out of the building. Just get him out um, politely. Thank you, but see ya. Because that's an element, especially with, you know, I'm, I'm going to get into Gerald Everett exiting the game with a quad injury. But uh, he was inactive, McKitty, this week. Donald Parham looks like one pat on the head away from just like a career-ending concussion. He got smacked and looked absolutely dazed. That's a concern. Those things are a concern. And, you know, the 11 and 12 personnel that Kellen Moore likes to run is concerning when you have, like, fuck all at tight end. So bring in a guy cheaply who can sort of fix a little bit of a problem. We just don't have the resources to be able to um, to bring in anyone to try and make this season worthwhile. I don't think no, like, it'd be, be it's got to be like a, like the, the Eagles bringing in Kevin Byard. They can probably afford him. And it's like Hunter, a, Hunter uh, Henry would be about the most like that yeah, kind of player. For sure. And then, and then sure. you're just making your cap situation even worse at the end Diabolical, of the year. So you'd probably, it's like, you'd have to think you're a chance to win it. I reckon. Absolutely. And look, I'd, I'd love, I'd love to see the confidence in the team to do so, but you're resigning, resigning to the fact that it's going to be real tough going for the next couple of years financially. And then everything that comes with being a loser in LA, 
Uh, it's not just on the field. It's everything that, you know, LA is full of transients as, you know, people always say that there's no one from LA in LA. Everyone comes in and there's, you don't have a like community supporter base. Ours is buddy two hours down the highway in San Diego and they don't want to borrow us. Um, and it makes it a really hard destination for players to want to come to and to want to sort of sign with this. Like, sure, the quarterback's good, but we're now seeing that he's human and we rely very heavily on him. Um, and it, it's it's problematic. There's a lot well, of – sorry, go. Well, the, well let, let's just go through – okay, so I've, I've given the case for, for not firing a coach and not doing a fire sale. Let's go through the case of doing a fire sale. Okay, so, all right, let's say you get rid of Bosa. Who, who else do you get rid of? Eckler. Eckler, Eckler goes. Who else to get rid of? Mike, Mike Williams. I mean, can you trade a, a, an injured player? I'm not sure if you can. You can. So, but so, like, what are you going to get out of it? Who else do you, do you trade? Khalil Mack. Do you give Khalil Mack a, a go to, to to a contender? Is he is he tradable? I don't know. What, what do you do? Derwin. Do you trade Derwin? So, I, I don't Al, know what. Al, sorry, on that, Al. I was going to ask, like, what is Derwin's role in this defense? Is there one where he can excel? We've seen it in the past because he's not doing it at the moment. Like, do you have any any takes on? Yeah, I do. Keep, I guess he, I, I guess keeping him. Fuck. He, he's the one guy that I really like um, the way Staley's deploying him the least. For the most part, I kind of think scheme is scheme, and you enjoy your scheme and you're trying to make it work. However, you envision it. Derwin again was playing free safety way too often against the Chiefs. Mm. The couple of times he was by the line, I've just finished watching it. He's wrapping up. He's making some great tackles on ball carriers, getting in on run support. This guy's a box safety who's being asked to play too high, 30 yards off the ball. Like, it's just not does, right. Does Staley have that much, like, confidence in Gilman that when he's not on the field, like when Gilman's not playing, they've got to go... Dean Marlowe can't do it by himself. Well, it's, or, it Finley played seven like, snaps, right? So maybe that's what's happening happening at the minute. It's I don't want Marlowe and Finley on the field at the same time with Derwin roaming in the box. Yeah. Yeah. So they're sitting that's, in back and they're not using the most expensive safety in the league. Yeah. At what he's good at. So anyway, I was I was going to say so 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 what do you do? So all right, let's get rid of let's say you get rid of Derwin James and you get rid of Joey Bosa. All right, two captains on the team. Well, one captain, uh, a leader. You get rid of Staley, trade him. Callum Moore steps in. Okay, we get trade a few him. wins. Trade him. Ma- <laughs> maybe trade him we to uh, fucking Walmart. <laughs> maybe we. Yeah, hey, uh, yeah, yeah. I'll fight you in a second. Host piece of shit. <laughs> Who's Mate. picking him up? Well, McVay, he's going back to the Rams. Raheem Morris yeah. is like, yeah, you can clean my boots, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> but what's the so? And then what? Are, what is the out, best outcome? So the, the team performs poorly. All of a sudden, the that you've just said to any prospective head coach that if you're performing poorly, we're going to embarrass you and fire you in the middle of the season. And that's one thing that I think the Spanos is. I know people don't like it, but at least there's some good governance there. It's like, well, we're going to let you go. Anthony Lynn left with dignity. McCoy left with some dignity. Being fired in the middle of a season is, is not dignified. Or it's you get the three draft picks. That's the only advantage, Jack. For each one of those guys, that's an extra. Uh, ability to turn over your list with extra okay. topics. Okay. And so, all yeah. right. Awesome. Oh, awesome. Great. We've done a fire sale. We still have Tom Telesco using those picks or they, or they could be used. So where's the draft strategy? All of a sudden you've got a draft hall of picks, but you've got no head coach and you've still got Tom Telesco there. All right. So 
or do you wait until the end of the year? And this is this might be the best case scenario. And I'm just putting it out there. Yes, we fail. We don't make the playoffs. We know Staley's going to go. Then the announcement is Brandon Staley and Tom Telesco have are now exited the building and we are going to hire a new GM and we are going to hire a, a new head coach because I don't see how it doesn't make sense from a, from a high-level perspective to get rid of a coach halfway through, keep the GM, and you're not going to fire a GM in the middle of a season because there's too much other fiscal stuff going on for that to happen. So you do it at the end and you go, thank you very much, new GM, new coach, Bang, draft hall, let's go. So the downside yeah. of that approach is to become cap compliant. You're then cutting those players at the end of the year who you wanted to trade and you're getting nothing for them. You're just sending them to free agency by cutting them. And maybe you're, maybe that's the better way to go. And maybe that's just what you just have to eat. That's just what you have to eat it. Because, I mean, what are you going to get for Joey Bosa? A fifth? You know, what are you going to mm. get for... De- mm. Nah, I'd be wanting a first plus. Like a first? I, I, yeah, he's, a, he's an elite edge rusher. Look, that, that's what the, would be the starting price. But I take your point. The the leverage obviously diminishes when they find out you're trying to sell him before the deadline. So maybe you're not getting it first. And also, you've, yeah. if if Tom Telesco knows you're getting it to fire sale, so Tom's like, well, what what am I going to do? Okay, then John Spanos steps in, and far out, maybe he's already pulling the strings. But he just I don't wants know, to become friends with the other GMs. <laughs> He'll be like, I'll take your seventh. I mean, oh. <laughs> But all these all these scenarios play out, and I know that everyone is emotional. Goes fire the coach, fire the coach. But just think about the high level sort of machinations and equations that have to happen with compensation, with picks, with strategy, with with all that kind of stuff. Because if you know next year, Justin Herbert goes, what are we doing? And just goes, you know what, trade me. And there you go. Because I, I think in this market, you're not going to find Philip Rivers that's just going to stick with a team. We know that quarterbacks are fickle. We know that they want to go and win. Justin Herbert might be, you know, loyal to it to it to a to a fault, perhaps, but um, we know how competitive these markets are. Players are moving more freely than ever. Just and I'm I'm not saying either way, um, whatever happens, happens, but we're fucked either way. Let's just put it like that. There we go. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I think it's it has if it if Staley is to be fired, Telesco has to go as well. I just don't see there being any other. And f- f- for my mind, I want a sale of the team. <laughs> like uh, if if we're going down that path, if we're not going upwards, clear the fucking house. We're gonna have to get rid of um, a few big pieces, and it's gonna hurt. Um, but we've we've just got to. Do something. I think you. I think I agree that maybe now is not the right time. I don't. I don't think that not trading players out is bad because we do have a cap situation. And hey, shit! If someone else is controlling the war room on draft night and it's not Telesco, maybe a couple more picks wouldn't hurt. If it's not a complete bonehead, or if it's not a new coach with an idea who's coached in the in the league before. Um, Golly, I see stuff about. I see so, so much Rex Ryan's fucking head on charges, <laughs> skivvies that I'm just like, could it be worse? <laughs> could the situation that we have at the moment be worse? Like, it's God. pretty bad. Yeah, it's just pretty in bad. case, just in case the listeners didn't know where I sat on this one, um, I, I would not be firing the head coach because we've got a Super Bowl to win later this year. So let's turn things around. <laughs> there he is. Get back there on the is. bike, Coach Staley. There's still time yet. <laughs> Ah, shit. Shall we move on and uh, maybe we'll talk about week eight against Dabeiras. We've spoken at length about the press conferences from this week and what they infer 
uh, for the individuals and for the team and for us as fans. Uh, we've mentioned that Austin Eckler now has a low ankle sprain to add it into his high ankle sprain. We saw him pretty lame uh, coming out of a couple of plays. And yeah, Gerald Everett left the game in the third quarter with a quad injury. I will so butt in on that, Andy. Uh, Staley met with the reporters on Monday and he actually said that they got it wrong on the broadcast and he corrected the quad is actually a hip. So, but okay. no no scans or diagnosis, but Everett's battling a hip. We'll find out more tomorrow at the Wednesday practice. I, I appreciate that input. Uh, I think a hip might just be a little bit better if it's sort of bruised. Um, the dog's not going to be dislocating a hip, but he could tear a quad and a torn quad would be much worse than some kind of hip knock. All right, Al, what happened in the Bears Raiders game last week? Windy City, Bears 30, Raiders 12 in a highly surprising outcome, given that it was Tyson Bajant's debut, the undrafted free agent from the Shepherd Rams in Division yeah. 2. Uh, people kind of liked him enough to give him a Senior Bowl invite, and he didn't play that well in the Senior Bowl, but you know what? He did okay in the preseason. And in this game, he had a reasonable debut. He finished 21 of 29, 162 yards. And a touchdown. What this was was a very good game plan by OC Luke Getze. They uh, were very run-centric. They ran the ball over 30 times. Lots of different types of runs. Screen passes, rollouts, short passes, jet sweeps. Their average depth, depth of target was 2.5 yards. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> do, do you know what? Bajan's still like, he's still got the ball to Darnell Mooney and DJ Moore 12 times in total. And he made a couple good decisions and he used his legs. Trust me, he's going to be just annoying enough to piss, off, piss us off next Sunday. So they managed to put 30 points on the board, mainly because Deontay Foreman scored three touchdowns. He's like the RB3. And then on the other side, the Raiders just had a stinker. Josh McDaniels decided to start Brian Hoyer, who, <laughs> apart, from, <laughs> apart from looking like me, played like me, how I'd go in an NFL game at, at Soldier Field. So he threw three interceptions. One was um, kind of a bobbled pass to Josh Jacobs that was picked off. But then two of them to Jalen were to Jalen Johnson, their outside corner, who's mm, having a really that. good year. Mm, yeah. So this ends up being a essentially a dominant performance by a team who has heretofore been terrible. And that's that's the tale of the tape. Bears win by 18 points against the hapless yeah. Raiders. The team that we could only beat by seven. Yay. Jack, hit us with the Bears' strength and the Chargers' opportunities. Sorry, the Chargers' oh, well, threats. Oh, well, I would have. I mean, Alistair covered a lot of them. I mean, DJ Moore's having a good year. Um, it's just Gun. whether we can it, – it'd be nice if we could place a man on him. It's a guy that's played playing his second game in the NFL, so why not – mismatch the timing on some of those reps. Sorry, I'm getting into the Chargers game plan. I should apologize. Um, yeah, ba Bagant. I thought it was Bagant. It's Bagent. Bagent. Um, Bagent using his legs uh, is going to, as you said, Alistair, it's going to be annoying. It's a fucking thing, isn't it? Ficking fucking fucking. <laughs> Bagant. Bagent. Bagent. Bagant. Um, Bagant. <laughs> Bilbo. Bilbo Bagant. Yeah. Oh, to be honest, I... I'm actually going to be honest that I haven't prepared anything for this, so I'm firing in the dark. Fuck the Bears. We should beat them by three touchdowns. All right, I'll jump, I could jump in on a couple of strengths. Man, I got, I got you. 
I got you. I got you. I got you. They've got the second best run defense in the NFL based on yards per attempt, which is bizarre. Uh, I don't really understand that. Their running game is built to succeed. Khalil Herbert's on IR, but D- uh, Rashawn Johnson, they're expecting him to be back for this game, and we liked him a lot uh, in the yeah. draft. He was mm-hmm. B. John Robinson's backup at Texas. He's shown something. And that's secondary. I mean, you'd question the approach this team's taken because they hired the defensive coordinator. They invested all this capital in their secondary. I'm putting Jack to sleep. Um, and they've, <laughs> they've gone Tarek Stevenson at corner, Kyla Gordon in the slot from Washington. They've got Brisker, the hard-hitting safety from Penn State. So they've got all these young physical guys in the secondary. And, you know, they're a bit of fun. Jalen Johnson is PFF's second-ranked cornerback in the NFL behind Devon Witherspoon this year. So those are their strengths, Jack. Take it away, Andy. Yeah, agree with you. Also a really solid, for not a great O-line, really solid blocking input from tight end Mercedes Lewis and well, obviously he's on AR, but the running back group can can block too. Uh, as far as their weakness goes, um, uh, I see, actually, I don't know if you said this out as one of their strengths, but the run defense hasn't actually been that good. Well, I don't um, get it. Their grading and stuff is low, but if you just look at yards per attempt, it's really good. It's only 3.4. So there's some disjunct there. They're graded low. The EPA is low, but somehow on a per attempt basis, they're, it's fine. They're ranked 28th. So don't get it. They've given up 120 yards against the Bucks, 153 against the Chiefs. Um, they're relying heavily on their second and third level assistance to force the stops in the run game. Uh, don't know if that works out well for us with Eckler being injured and Josh Kelly, you know, having a good week and a good, good week on good week off. Um, but yeah, no D lineman scoring above 60 per PFF in their run defense. Um, they've got seven dinks, seven defensive backs allowing over 10 yards per reception. Uh, the tackles on the offense, the, the tackles struggle in pass protect Darnell Wright and Larry Borum not performing all that well. Um, this is a really either side of the coin having um, no Justin Fields, but Al, you brought up a really good point as to how they succeeded with their uh, run game against the Raiders and how you know the the jet sweeps and the the running backs out in the flat. They're typically things the Chargers have struggled against. Um, other you know other underperforming stars like Tremaine Edmonds he's had a bit of a howl at a start of the year they're just they're everywhere you look in this like if you if you look at all the teams compared to one another in everything the bears are like just below the charges in almost every single one of them might maybe bar special teams and something else um but there are there's there's just there's got to be goddamn avenues for the Chargers to be able to excel a little bit. Like playing the Chiefs at Arrowheads, one thing. Having the the middling Bears or the less than middling Bears come to SoFi, it's just this has just got to be one of those weeks. <laughs> I'm wheeling myself into just maniacal hope, but it's just got to be one of those weeks where we can execute to a level that is enough to uh to knock this team off i see just holes here and there across the board um for the bears and not having necessarily a quarterback that can run like mahomes did or you know a la you know lamar jackson justin fields has that potential to be that true dual threat dual threat quarterback um he just doesn't diagnose defenses that well so tyson 
Bajant has uh, has elusive skills in the pocket and things that'll be annoying, but he's also playing his second game. So let's let's Nathan Peterman the shit out of this guy. And we've been kissed you... on the pecker. We're facing Tyson Bajant in a must-win game. I mean, you could not draw it up better. We've already faced Aiden O'Connell. Yeah, like, yeah, shit, we're more than Almost dropped the bundle on that one though. Like that's the big, the biggest criticism almost of these charges is that when we play a poor opposition, we play down to that level. And I'm terrified that that is going to be the storyline of this game is that we play down, we win by a point, something like that in a real shit house kind of, as if we were playing in the windy city in horrible winter weather. And it's like a 17, 16 kind of affair. And we just come out of that feeling like we'd aged 20 years and no more positive about the growth of this team at all. Um, I do have a rated rook. You mentioned Roshan Johnson. I loved him here. I think he was one of my I love you mans um, or a, a tr- Chargers target. He's had 122 yards from 25 attempts at 4.9 per. Not too bad. Um, he will step up into the RB2. Uh, Jack, I won't touch on your guy, Gervin Dexter Jr. Um, and personally, I'm praying... Big boy. I'm... <laughs> I'm praying for a total meltdown alert on Tyler Bajant. Um, oh, please. Just like I said, Nathan Peterman, the shit out of this guy. It's starting to actually need a multiple sack game from Bosa and Mac to like make me feel like we've spent $60 million well this season. If we don't win this game by more than two touchdowns, I'm going to call it an utter failure. An utter oh, failure. Thought you were going to quit the show. That's a failure. <laughs> and yeah, we'll we'll just be the I'm Raiders actually... by eighteen points. We've got to be careful. Although that's if, sorry, they had Brian Hoyer. No, you're if, right. If we I don't, don't, if we don't beat, I'm that's I'm actually not turning tuning into the show next week. That's it. I'm done. No, I shouldn't <laughs> say that. But maybe um, your teachable moment will be. Hey, kids, you know what? Don't support the charges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, holidays are early. See you later. Yeah. See you after Christmas. Uh, yeah. Now, my I'm going to say ten to thirty five charges. And if we don't get even close to that, then ten to thirty-five. Fuck. Yep, I'm going to call that an utter Whoa. failure. That's my. That's 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 the benchmark. Come on, got to do better. Do better. Okay, Al, what do you reckon? Oh, uh, oh, I will say it's a, the first game we win of the year by more than a score. I'm going to say Chargers twenty-eight, Bears seventeen. Good chance for Keenan to exploit Kyler Gordon in the slot. Let's see some more of QJ. Good test for the defense. Is this run defense actually good? They're 16th at the minute, yards per attempt. They're going to get tested because the Bears will try and run the ball for sure. Uh, And I think Blitz Bajant is the key. He was only Blitz for some reason on 18.8% of snaps against the Raiders. And when he was, his PFF grade was 58.2. He's a second game player. Let's take a risk and Blitz him. Place a man on the back end. Why not? Yeah, cool. I've got a precious little gem before I go into my uh, score prediction. Just a little uh, misnomer, I guess, of on the Bears. So Tyson Bajan's dad, Travis, is a former arm wrestling champion. Not a sport that we get a lot of coverage of in uh, the land down under, but he's one of very few not to commit an elbow foul. And I've got to say, there's a video on him. He is a mad dog. I'm really hoping that his energy and intensity and his will to win is not passed down genetically or inherently. And, um, this guy's just curls up like a little bitch on Sunday, <laughs> on Sunday night football. So, uh, I ah, look, surely we can get <laughs> the result over football, this. 
This could go yeah. so badly. You know, this is just setting up for Pageant yeah. having this come to come home game. He throws three touchdowns and Staley's on Fired. the sideline. And, 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 and McCallum Moore's going, ooh. And, uh, and it's at home and uh, Popper's in the press conference. Staley just doesn't even turn up. Or Staley just... Popper's like... <laughs> yeah. yeah, unbelievable. Gosh, yeah. I hope... <laughs> Please It'll make for good content if it happens, but my Lord. Yeah. Our views will go to zero. <laughs> but at least the three of us have fun, right? <laughs> and surely this is just a little bit like, you know, you, you, we say what everyone's feeling. We see what everyone's writing on on, on Twitter and, and Facebook and everywhere about, like, fire this guy. Like, sure, but have you got a solution? Have you got an alternative? Like, that's that can't be the, the be-all and end-all of us just going from woe to go. Surely we we get the result this week over the Bears. Um, I've got fuck me written in just capital letters because, like, it is that important. <laughs> it is that important for the team, for us, for me, for me personally. Like, I'm running me around a, yep. a, a, like a, a half... <laughs> Relationship half with term, my wife. <laughs> Half-term pregnant fiancé and... Uh, if I have to get another bowl of olives while she's in the bath, as I did five minutes before I jumped on here, I might fucking scream. So can we just win a goddamn game of football, please? And just play three. I'm... Let's go. Can we see fourth and Staley again? Just go for it. Who cares? Just even yeah. when you're up by two scores, you know what? Down three and th- third and five, go for it. Fourth and one, go for it. Just do it. Just play free, man. Stop. Let's stop. Stop being tight. Play free. Absolutely. Let's go. Let's come on. Let's go. Let's go. Year one Staley, Randy Marsh, balls yeah. in the wheelbarrow. Let's go. Come on. Let's fucking come do on. it. I still can't predict that Ooh. the Chargers will win by more than one score. Um, I'm not convinced that DJ Moore doesn't find a way to tear, tear it up against this DB room, but I'm going 24 20 Chargers win. And uh, goddamn, let's hope it's 35 10 because it'll be a big Monday night at the. The Lloyd on the Lloyd couch while both of us are drinking water. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas, that's uh, been fun uh, for mine. Uh, that was it's good. always real shit to swallow and digest and then try and regurgitate uh, our our feelings on these these kind of losses, especially against the goddamn queefs. But this has been fun, and hopefully we can turn it around. Um, and shit, if they don't, well, then we'll just. Keep drinking more on Wednesday nights when we record and start. Well, I will anyway, and start. Um, start really banging on the door. That's all from me. You guys got anything else to add before we say goodbye? Nah, we just got to start. If this doesn't work out, then we just got to start looking at draft twenty twenty four. That'll be fun. Oh fuck, that's come great. on, let's turn it around. Thanks for listening, guys. Drop us a <laughs> comment <laughs> on the YouTube. Let us know how you felt when you watched that loss and how you feel when we win this game on the weekend. Go Bolts. Shit, yeah. We'll see you next time on Thunder Down on the Chartist Podcast. Catch you guys. Bye.